and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we are here for another week, which is very exciting. It is exciting. It's just... (laughs) No, it is exciting. It is exciting. Everything is okay. I am just a little bit overwhelmed and that is okay too. It's okay to have off weeks and it's okay to not feel 110,000% all of the time and it's okay to have... Like we are all human we are going to have emotions. There's going to be points in your life where you feel great. And there's going to be points in your life where you feel shit. And that's okay. Because that's life. Life is filled with waves and ebbs and flows. And that's okay. For as long as I can remember, I've always like just told myself that everything's okay. That everything's going to be fine. Like it used to become kind of a mantra that I'd just be like, I'm fine. It's okay. It's fine. Like it's fine. And just say it over and over again. Because I feel like if I say it enough, then I'll end up believing it. And it's like a blanket statement where I don't really have to think about anything else that's going on. I'm just like, everything is fine. Because I think it ultimately comes down to, the truth is that, like, everything is fine. Everything in my life is okay. Like, it is okay. Some parts are better than others. Some parts are worse than others. But, you know, ultimately, it is okay. But anyway, this is what the content part of this week's podcast is going to be on. And we kind of just jumped a little bit straight in when we shouldn't have... I'm trying to remain having these clear divisions of everything that's going on and it's not going very well. But anyway, on to the life update for this week's podcast episode because you guys have got enough content coming about the nine to five routine and about settling into change and about being comfortable being uncomfortable because God, I am uncomfortable right now. But this week's life update, what have we been up to? So let's wind it all the way back to when we last spoke. So we last spoke on Friday night. I had the most productive Saturday in terms of things that I managed to do that I have had in so long. It was ridiculous. I woke up at 7am, went and met my dad for breakfast, as I said I would, met him for breakfast, then took the tube over to the Royal Academy, met my grandma and, well, met my nana, my auntie, my cousin for an exhibition. But I didn't realise what exhibition it was and I just kind of went. And this is your sign to always Google, always Google. Because that exhibition might be something that you're not quite mentally prepared for. This exhibition was brilliant. Like, it was a really, really good exhibition. But I feel like I should have, like, researched it beforehand so I could have got more out of it. I mean, my auntie's like an art teacher. And so she could tell me everything, which was so useful. But anyway, you go in and it's the Marina... Marina, is that how you say it? Marina, I can't remember her surname. But anyway, look at the Royal Academy. It's that one. And she's a performance artist. And if you're going to go, I'm fully going to spoil it for you in the next five minutes. Sorry. So just skip if you are. But you go in and like the first part of the exhibition room is she did this thing at MoMA, which is an art gallery in New York. And she just sat in this room and any members of the public could just come and sit opposite her. But she just death stared them for like ages you know, she would do it for eight hours a day and people could sit for as long as they wanted to. And so the first exhibition was there was a camera recording her whilst this happened. There was a camera recording their face whilst it happened. And so across the room, there was like two pictures. No, there was loads and loads of pictures and opposite ends. And on one side, it was screening her face and her response. And it was on another side screening all of their responses. And that was really interesting. And it started off so, you know, nice. Well, not nice, just like it was interesting. And then... You walked into the next room and her next exhibition piece was, she was was in Milan, I think. I think. I could be, I feel like it began with P. I don't think it was Milan, but anyway. 
And for six hours, she stood in this room and there were 72 items surrounding her. And people could do whatever they wanted to her with these items. And there was like a gun with a bullet. There was an axe. There was knives. There was chains. There was scissors. There was wine. There was books. There was clothes. There was cameras. And the stress of this experience made part of her hair go white. Because like at the very end, people were just getting really violent like really, really violent. And it just sounds really awful what happened. And in the end, someone put the gun with the bullet into her mouth. And she'd accepted all responsibility. So anything that anyone did, like she wouldn't, like they weren't going to get in trouble for. And it was a really interesting piece because it showed you what you can, what people will do when they can do anything. And the weirdest part I thought about it was that when she eventually moved, Everyone left the room, everyone ran away, even though there was hundreds of people in there, they all, once they, like, realised and saw her as a person, they couldn't cope with everything that they'd done, so they had to leave, and I just think that's so interesting. It's so interesting that they didn't see her as human, even though she was a human being in front of her. And then the next room, she was born in the Balkans, and it was about the Balkan War, and she stood in this room for, like, five hours just scrubbing cow bones to get the blood off them, and that was quite uh, vivid. Um, I don't know the right word. It, graphic, maybe? Because all the bones were in the middle and I just was a bit like, oh, I don't... I, I understand the sentiment. I think it's important. And I, I suppose it had the desired reaction. It made me feel very uncomfortable. I didn't like it, obviously. So perhaps it did have the desired reaction. And then you go into the next room and it was about her dad and... Her dad was really, really strict growing up. He was a general. And so they went to... She, like, he was really, really strict. And so she sat on a horse and she sang the national anthem and it was all just black and white. And that was kind of her response to his death. And I thought it's interesting because he's caused her so much pain. And yet that one is the piece of our, her artwork that seems to resemble the most purity because it was like a white like stallion horse. Like it was a massive horse and she was sat on the horse and she was waving this white flag. But maybe it means that now she's made peace with everything that had happened in her life. I don't know, I love thinking about like, why? What's the deeper meaning? Anyway, then we went into the next room and she did, she worked a lot with this other artist who, I don't know, I think, Iman? I can't remember. He died a couple of years ago. And one of their art performances was they were having a bow and arrow and they were leaning against each other and one of them was holding the bow and the other one was holding the end with the arrow and they leaned against each other for four minutes and if either of them had, like, misjudged it, he would have shot the arrow through her heart. But they just both had to, like, perfectly lean at the exact same time. I thought that was awful. And, like, they did another one where they had to... Well, no, I didn't think that was awful. That is cool. But, like, the thought of that, awful. There's another one where they just rode in circles for 16 hours, drove in circles. And there was one where he sewed his lips up and it was really graphic and I really didn't like that. But then, just as you think, that's it. There was two naked people that you had to squeeze through to get to the next room. Two very naked people who were face-to-face and had formed a doorway and you had to squeeze through them and... Oh, oh, it was awful. 
and you had to like squeeze through and my nana and my auntie were like we have to do it there's no other way through and so we did it and then me and my cousin realized there was a separate entrance that all of my my I was gonna say all of my family it was my auntie and my grandma both knew about they just wanted us to get the full experience and didn't think we would if we hadn't have gone through the naked people door it was not fun not fun and my nana as she went through was like oh excuse me and I think that's so funny she's saying excuse me to these two naked people but anyway carrying on we then squeezed through the naked people there were some rocks blah 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 blah. the next two rooms were kind of more simple but then she did another exhibition right room it was a big exhibition but I'm skipping parts where she lay naked in a room and she had a skeleton on top of her like lying on top of her and I really hope it wasn't a real skeleton because feels a bit weird you know like you're not gonna get a skeleton's consent it just all feels a bit odd you know what I mean like it just feels slightly uncomfortable well very uncomfortable I think I think that's probably what it's going for as well and then the pierre de resistance I don't know if I'm saying that right but we're just gonna I think it's PS PS de resistance the final part anyway the big the big bang you go into this next room and there's a lady and she is I am fully spoiling this for you, by the way, so sorry. But just skip if you don't want to listen. It's this lady, and there's, like, three rooms, and they have a, like, you can't, you can see into them, and there's ladders going down, and the ladder poles have knives on them pointing upwards, so she can't get down. Obviously, she could, but she can't. And there's a toilet and a shower in one of the rooms, and that's connected to a chair and a table, and then the last room is, like, like a settee area thing, but it's all wooden, and she's not allowed to eat for 12 days. She's only allowed three showers. She can drink only three showers per day, that is. She can drink unlimited water. She has all of these different things. And she has to live in there for 12 days with no eating, no nothing. And she was just, while she was there, she just, like, stripped off and had a shower. And there's, like, 50 of us in this room watching this poor lady shower. And I'm like, this is so weird. And it was weird. Like, this, it was all a very strange experience. And then we left and then we went for dinner and I just thought, God, I, I could not, I could not be doing that. No chance. No chance. I, literally, it's probably my worst nightmare. And then living that worst nightmare day in, day out. You are getting naked in front of a crowd of people day in, day out. You're sleeping and people are watching. I was thinking this, though. I wonder what she does when, like, the museum closes. Because she probably... She won't be able to stay in there. Like, they're not... Maybe they lock her in. Oh. Everything about it made me feel uncomfortable. So, no. Will not ever be doing anything like that in my life. Ever. Ever. I was trying to work out why she wanted to do it. And then I was thinking, well, it's probably... Like, she's a very famous artist, so it's probably quite a cool thing to say that you've been part of, but no thank you. Anyway, then I left the museum, I went out for a lovely lunch, and I met my housemate, and we did a little bit of a walking tour, and you know how, basically, Office lost my boots, and I they've just lost them, like, I returned them, and they've just lost them, and so they gave me a full refund, 10 out of 10, and then we went to the pub, and I accidentally spent all of my refund money on the pub. Which is an issue, because now I can't buy the boots that I needed to buy for work. But, you know, we're just not really thinking about it too much, too deeply. And I'm just going to worry about it for future me. Like, that's a future me problem, not a current me problem. I don't 
need the boots as of yet. I think I'm going to buy them next week instead. But it was the first time I've ever been able to go out in London and not feel sick every time I bought a drink. Because obviously I have a job now and I've never had a job before where I've been able to spend the money, ever. Because when I was working for the internship, I was saving to go to London. And so I had to save literally every single penny I got. I just had to put into my savings and I just didn't touch it. I just lived like I had literally zero income. And so I've never done it. I've never done it ever. And this was the first experience of it. And we took it a bit far. We did take it a little bit far. I was just sat in a lovely pub drinking pints with my best friend. And I was like, this, this is the life. This is the London that I signed up for. And so anyway, Sunday, atrociously hungover, like really hungover. Like I didn't realise like how bad my hangovers could be. Yeah, well, they can be bad. I'd forgotten. I'd been in this blissfully unaware state because I hadn't really been hungover since that dreaded day in Hoi An. That was one of the worst hangovers of my life. No joke. It was violent. Like it was a violent hangover. It hit me like nothing I've ever felt before. I felt sick the entire day. I couldn't eat anything. It was a bad hangover. And so I'd forgotten what it could do to me. And so Sunday, I had to do a food shop. I had to do all my usual things. I took myself for a walk. It was 25 degrees, which made me feel scared about global warming because this is October. What's all that about? That shouldn't be the temperature that it is. Then I was back to work on Monday. And now somehow we're here, Thursday. And the weeks are just passing. It was kind of weird, but it's exciting because it's on Saturday. I'm seeing my boyfriend. I'm going up to Manchester for the week. It's going to be so much fun. Although we don't really know how much we're going to see each other because we're both working at opposite times. But we'll just be in each other's environments. So I guess that's good. I'm trying to see the positive, but it's far from ideal. But it just is the way it has to be right now. And that's okay. We move on. It's okay. Other things that have happened this week. I went to my first spin class. I'm saying it with an emphasis because no joke, the spin class was one of the most hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Spin classes are not for the weak. You know, if you need to do some type of boot camp training or show your mental strength, you should do a spin class. These people were doing press-ups on a bike while cycling, as if a press-up wasn't hard enough, cycle at the same time. Genuinely, it was so many things to think about. And beforehand, it was like, do you like dancing? It's just like dancing, you're going to have such a good time. And I was like, God, I love dancing. I'm going to have a great time. This is going to be so easy. Ten minutes in, I was checking my watch. Ten, I was dripping in sweat. Drip, like literally, it was just profusely coming off me because I got the class pass one month like gym membership thing, which you all need to get, by the way. And so I could go to any class and we decided that one and God, I regretted it. I really, no, it was a great class, but I have not felt tiredness like that in so long. I was exhausted. I've realised I don't push myself that hard when I'm on the gym on my own. I really didn't push myself at the gym yesterday at all. Like, I'm not really sure you could even call it a workout. I was on the Stairmaster for 15 minutes, but I did call my mum for 10 of them. So does that mean I was working out that hard? Probably not. So therefore, counterproductive? Maybe. But anyway, on to the content part for this week's podcast. This week's podcast episode, we are talking about being comfortable being uncomfortable because it's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently and especially in the last week because the last week I 
have been so uncomfortable and not in a terrible way or a bad way, just in like a way of trying something new and finding it hard. And it's made me think about all of the different new things that I've tried. I mean, I'm just going to turn so I can face you more because we're having a chat in bed. I am lying in bed right now. I think so that's why the podcast always feels like a phone call because I literally put my phone on the side of my bed as if we are on a phone call. But I've been thinking a lot about how everything in my life I've tried. I have wanted to quit and I don't want to quit my job right now. I really, really love my job. But everything that I have ever done, I've had moments where I've been like, I can't do this. I genuinely cannot do this. I remember when it was the, like, literally everything now I'm thinking about it. I remember in my degree, I was like, I'm not smart enough for this. I'm never going to pass. I'm going to fail. And I seriously thought about dropping out in year two because I just didn't think I could do it. And then when I joined the tech internship, I was crying afterwards because I was just like, I am so out of my depth I have never done this before and I was terrified and it's terrifying learning something new and being so uncomfortable. And then when I was doing my master's, God, that was terrifying in a whole new way. I think when I was terrified during my, like, in the internship, the thing that was scary about that was, like, it was so totally new. I hadn't done anything like that before and it was scary being bad at something. It was scary feeling like I didn't know what I was doing. It was scary feeling like I wasn't able to like instantly succeed at it. And I think because obviously by the time you're doing your internship, I think I was like 21 and I'd already done three years of uni and I'd done my A-levels and like I'd done science for a while. And obviously I don't know science, but you know what I mean? Like I, I was, it was familiar. And then all of a sudden I was put into this environment which was so unfamiliar and it was terrifying and I felt so uncomfortable And then when I joined my master's, again, it was a totally new environment, but it was different. It was harder. It was more competitive. I was surrounded by brilliant people. Not that they weren't brilliant in my undergrad, but you know what I mean? Everyone there has been hand-selected because of how great they are. And people had done the most incredible things. And the imposter syndrome was real. Like, it was huge. And I was just like, I don't feel like I belong here. I I feel like I've got here by fluke. And then even starting my new job, I'm working on project and I'm like, this is hard and I feel uncomfortable and it's scary. But I think with all of these things, this imposter syndrome of starting something new, it's really important to feel like. And I know it's uncomfortable and that's why this podcast is called Getting Comfortable Being Uncomfortable because it isn't fun. Being uncomfortable is not fun, but it's so important because it's only in these situations where it is uncomfortable, where you are different in a different environment, that you are able to observe your brain in a totally new way. Because if you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone, you're never going to expose your brain to new scenarios and you're never going to see how it's going to interact. If it didn't experience those different things, you're never going to see if all your self-growth and working on yourself has worked unless you ever put yourself in something new. It's like constantly going to see the same thing at the cinema every single time. You know how you're going to react. And there's comfort in knowing that because the strange is not strange anymore. No, because the unfamiliar isn't strange. No? I can't remember what the saying is, but you know what I mean? Because the it's familiar. And we find the familiar comforting because it's able to be controlled, because you can control the narrative, because you know what's coming then all of a sudden when you put in an environment which is totally new and you watch a new film and you don't know what's coming, you're on edge because you don't know how your brain's going to react. 
how do you know how you're growing as a person if you never see these things? And I get why people like being comfortable. There was a period of time like when I was stacking shelves at Sainsbury's and my life was very monotonous. And I did the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out. And there was an element of comfort to it. I didn't feel fulfilled and I didn't feel like I had a drive for things. But it was nice knowing I was going to work and what I was doing. And I knew what I was going to be doing every single time. But the thing is, with that comfortableness, which it had, like with that knowledge of what was going to come, was also paired with like a deep, like, I just felt unfulfilled. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And even though exactly I knew what I was doing, I feel like I didn't know where I was going with it. And I think that's the thing. Being comfortable in what you're doing for some people is great because that provides a sense of stability and that stability can't be overrated and I don't mean by any of this that one is right from the other I'm just sharing what I'm finding right now in my life you could be totally different and that is okay because there's definitely a lot to stay for stability and having a routine and that bringing comfort to you and a job just being a job it doesn't have to be the be all and end all and I think sometimes society makes us feel like we have to all have this exact same like lifestyle and attitude towards life and our job and different things and that's not the case you're allowed to love things that I don't enjoy and you I'm allowed to enjoy things that you don't enjoy and we're allowed to gain fulfillment from different aspects of our lives that's why the world works how it is it's because you gain fulfillment from things and I gain fulfillment from other things and ultimately all together we form the complete package and that's what makes everything tick because you're motivated to do the things that you want to do and it carries on making the world go round. And so for some people that works, but for me, I just felt so bored all the time. And I just was constantly looking at ways to like grow and make it better. And luckily I had the podcast and that provided like a massive distraction about what I was doing and where I was going with my life and kind of gave me that sense of purpose. But that's why I started it. And then I think in a weird way, maybe I've always enjoyed a certain level of discomfort because I know to me I associate that discomfort with growing because when I'm uncomfortable I do feel a little bit anxious and I do feel a little bit overwhelmed but it also leads me to feel really proud of myself when I've overdone like when I've done something that I didn't think I could and I think slowly as I'm getting older I'm realizing that this amalgamation of emotions these memories, these ups, these downs, these tears, the laughter, you know, all of these different things that you experience, that, those different things, that's the human experience, that's life. And I think I've been thinking a lot about what my life means to me and what I want to do with my life and what is the purpose of life and what is the purpose of all of this. And slowly I'm realising that it's, to like to progress the human race like the human to progress like our existence to make it better to make a positive impact but then also personally like on an individual level to just enjoy it just to experience it to almost gain as many memories as you can in a weird way I kind of think of it like collecting stars on Mario Kart not Mario Kart on Mario Brothers do you know what I mean I used to love that game when I was a kid but in my head Sometimes I feel like life is 
Like the point of all of this is to collect as many of those stars as possible. As many different experiences, see as many different things, meet as many different people, create as many different memories, try as many different foods, smell as many different flowers. Just try and take it as much in as you can because you're not going to be able to do it forever. And I think that's where the beauty in being uncomfortable comes from because it shows you that you're trying something new. You're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And it's not always going to be the right thing for you to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Because when you're in a bad headspace and when you're not feeling great, just going to work is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone enough. Do you know what I mean? Just making yourself or just waking up. Just getting dressed. Sometimes the bare minimum is pushing you out of what you really want to do. And so therefore you are pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, it kind of, it all feeds in and it doesn't always have to be the same level of extremity to how far you are pushing yourself. But I think when you think about what is the meaning of life and what you think matters, I can see why people enjoy the uncomfortableness. But then I can also see why people like in their 30s start settling down because they want that stability They want to have more things that they can control. I think sometimes I wonder if we get scared about the kind of finality of it all, the finality of everything that happens. And I wonder as well if like a massive experience to collect, like a massive star, is like having a family. And that doesn't always have to include children. That could be you and your friends. That could be you and your partner, you and your like family older than you. Like it doesn't have to be you plus child because I know not everyone wants a child. Have you thinking about whether I want kids a lot recently? Random sidetracked note. And I think I do, but I always said I wanted loads, and I think I might just want one. Because I just don't know how everyone fits it all in, having a kid and having a life and having a career and also being there. And I just feel like something's going to have to switch and... But then I don't know if I'd want an only child because I watched this TikTok and it was like, your siblings are the only people that are truly surrounding you start to finish. And I was like, well, I don't want to bring my little like child into the world and then them not to have someone. Like when I go, that feels very sad, even though they'll have their own family. Like, do you know what I mean? I want them to feel like they have a family. So maybe I'd have two children. I feel like two children would be a good amount. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. I feel like... I'm thinking a lot about settling down, all of these different lifestyles that we can have. But then I've been thinking a lot about how social media has impacted this need to feel comfortable and need to feel uncomfortable. And I think if any way, if anything, it's perpetrated the narrative of feeling uncomfortable is more the norm. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I guess it's pushing us to be growing more. But it's also made us realise how many different lifestyles are out there. And even though I am constantly striving to push myself to try new things to grow in different ways the thing that I found hardest is like acknowledging that I've chosen something and sticking at it and not that I want to quit or anything like that but just being so overwhelmed by the choice and I was looking at what my options were because I think the social media thing is it's now let us to compare ourselves not just to the people we know but to every single person on the internet You can watch a day in the life from any point of the world. And it can make you think about how so many things are better and different in other places. But the truth is it's a highlights reel and it's not real. And I think there's an uncomfortableness in that. There's an uncomfortableness in accepting your choice 
and letting it work out and not rushing it. And that's not fun because I think there's definitely a tendency to just jump ship and try what everyone else is doing because you think that looks better. Like, Australia looks great. So many people are going there and it just looks so much fun. But right now I'm really happy in my job and I love London. And it's like I was saying, I have to start realising that what I'm doing right now was my dream at one point and stop, like, start romanticising it. And now I've been paid, like... London is so much better with a wage. It is, and I always knew it would be, and it is fulfilling my expectations. But I think this is the thing with social media is it's making us all compare each other, which can be a little bit toxic. But I think you just have to realise you have to give yourself time. You have to give yourself time to have things to work out. You have to give yourself time to meet the right people and time to get comfortable in the situation that you're currently uncomfortable in. And I think once you are then comfortable, you'll be able to take on more uncomfortableness and you'll be able to grow more. And it's this kind of constant cycle of comfortable and not and comfortable and not. And I guess that is also a part of life. Constantly, constantly push yourself to strive to new heights, to try other things. But I think once you kind of accept that you're trying something new and you're going to see what the universe has to offer for it, even if you don't believe in manifestation, I believe that you're going to find a way Whatever your dreams are, are going to come true. It's going to all work out. But I love the idea of like the butterfly effect of like that one chance conversation meant that you met that person and you met that person and you met that person. And I think that's why you have to give time for things to work out because you have to give time for things to have those organic conversations. And that's why being uncomfortable is so important is because it lets you have conversations and interactions and experiences that you would never normally have. And the most incredible things can come out of those things. Like, I would never, ever, ever have applied for this job if I hadn't have had a chance conversation with another girl in my course. Because I saw the application process and she was like, yeah, we're all applying. And I was like, oh, I didn't think we were experienced enough to reply. Like, I'll apply too, but it's not going to happen. I knew, I didn't really genuinely didn't think it was going to happen. And now that's the company I work at. And I just think, like, that would never have happened had I not have had that chance conversation with her. And so even though being uncomfortable is really uncomfortable and it is scary and I have cried, I, had, I just had such an embarrassing low moment. I was on the Stairmaster and I was dripping with sweat and I was calling my mum and I was crying and I was like, this, this is a low point. But I think those low points have to happen because it makes you realise that you are uncomfortable. It shows yourself that you are trying to push yourself and I think that's really, really important. Anyway, on to the question part for this week's podcast. So on to the question part for this week's podcast. Okay, let's go to the anonymous ones. Let's pick randomly. Let's see what this one says. Single question mark. We should talk more. Question mark. People saying you're single. Is it true? Guys. I would tell you if that traumatic thing happened. I feel like I did put quite a misleading um, Instagram story up and I was like, it's been a hard week. Because it has been a hard week. Like, I felt a bit meh this week. I can't lie. Like, I just haven't felt great. I feel so tired. I don't know if I'm getting a bit ill. But I've just felt really like, mm, you know, just really like not with it. And so I think I've just been feeling a bit shitty. And so when I put that story up, like I did mean it, but obviously everyone jumps to the conclusion that it's like a breakup situation. And it's obviously not. 
I don't know how I'd because obviously me and my boyfriend have talked about like the podcast and if we broke up and I just obviously like I wouldn't be able to say everything but it would be such a big thing that I'd go through I'd have to work out how to share it and like what to share and not share everything and have some boundaries in place about it but you would know okay you would know if that happened because I am not good at keeping secrets about myself I'm good at keeping other people's secrets but I'm not I'm not talented at keeping my own I'm very much an open book which is a blessing and a curse at both points how do you not let the winter affect your mood I think the biggest thing about winter that I found has helped me is having things set in my diary that force me out so me and my housemate have just joined the same gym well it's like she's joined my gym that I've been going to and going to work and making myself go to work and go to the gym afterwards I don't necessarily want to do it like I don't want to do it and sometimes I let the voice inside my head that's like I don't want to do this I let it win because you don't have to always do the things that you don't want to do like it's you're allowed to just relax and you're allowed to rest and it's okay to switch off and it's okay to work from home but I set like a two-day limit to it I allow it one day if I'm still feeling shitty and tired the next day I allow it the next one third day everything has to change third day I have to get out and do something third day I have to push myself even if I don't want to do it because I think there's a fine line to thinking like you're poorly and you need to rest to then like slipping into that little like slump you know because this is what I'd kind of been like I was slipping a little bit into this zone where I was like oh and I could feel it this week I've just felt so tired and I think I am coming down with something like I do feel a bit poorly I feel really tired and that's okay I'm allowed to have two days at home working from home but knowing that in my mind there's a rule that third day I have to get out and do something makes me feel so much better because it makes me realize that I have to do something and it makes me plan things and I think having set things in your diary that you have to do signing up for that gym class signing up to whatever like thing that gets you out of the house doesn't have to be the gym the gym is just the thing I do on an evenings Signing up to something that gets you moving as well, releases endorphins. I think it's finding other pockets of happiness in your day, which could help lift your mood because you need to find ways to lift your mood because now it's not going to be as easy because you're not just in a really lovely, sunshiny place, you know? Like, it's not going to be as easy, but you can still do it. you just got to put in more effort into doing it. And I think also little nice things that make you feel good about yourself along the way, recognising that this is a hard time. Paint your nails blow dry your hair in a way that you like, make yourself feel good and all of these things will feed into you ultimately feeling better. Long distance activities for during the week. Oh, long distance activities. I think the thing that's the hardest with long distance is the thing that you need to do is you need to keep yourself busy because if you guys are waiting around for each other, you're going to miss each other so much more. And I think maybe me and my boyfriend might have taken this too far because now we're busy all the time and it's really hard to like make time for each other. But make sure you call each other every single day or every two days because you need to stay in touch. I recognise it's not possible to do it every single day, but at least every other day because then you miss that close connection. You feel like you're just updating each other on your lives rather than just having that friendship, you know, rather than just hanging out. And I think... We tried to do the online board games, but for us, it just didn't work because I got bored and we tried to do like, and if we watch TV, I'll just talk all the way through it. Like, I know you can watch it on Netflix party. So we realized that that would be pointless because that's going to be so annoying for him. And so I think there are loads of different options, but it just depends on what your relationship dynamic is. If you're able to sit quietly in a film, maybe that'd be great. I am not. 
in the slightest. I'm a talker. I'm a question asker. I'm disruptive. So it probably wouldn't have been that fun. But I think the main thing, long distance activities during the week, just calling, but not always feeling like you have to talk to you, like just chat as if you're just hanging out. You don't always have to just give them like a rundown on your life. And I think when you're doing more things and you're forcing yourself to be busy, you have more things to talk about and that helps. And also recognising that there are going to be some phone calls where you're just tired and you want to be with them and you want to sit by them and you want to hang out, but you don't necessarily want to be on the phone and chat. Be like one of those days where you just hang out in bed and you just watch a film together and it's just really nice. And I'm going to go see Louis tomorrow and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm surprising him in the terms of I'm going to buy us breakfast and bring it, I think, to Manchester that was maybe one of the most stupid things I've ever said. I'm obviously not buying breakfast in London and bringing that to Manchester. That would not be a good idea, although I have treated myself to the more expensive train ticket. And I'm going to get there in two hours. Sorry, I've got my electric blanket on and I'm just lying here and I'm getting sleepier and sleepier. But this podcast needs to be recorded. I'm going to do a half of it tomorrow and that is a bit risky before my train. Like, that is risky, but I just can't do it tonight. I'm too tired. But anyway... I'm going to buy us breakfast. I'm going to... I wish you could buy... Like, what's the male equivalent of flowers? Maybe I could just buy him some flowers for the flat. Maybe that would be nice. Oh, I might do that, you know. I'm going to buy him some flowers. Get us both a coffee. I'm going to surprise him with my presents. Which isn't really a surprise because I've told him I'm coming. So it's not a surprise in the slightest. And I know this isn't the question part of the podcast. But I need to say this anyway. I've taken overpacking to a whole new level. I've taken a backpack most people take for a six-month trip. And I've filled it. I've got three pairs of shoes with me, people. But when you think about it, I have, I have to pack for work, I have to pack for the gym, and I have to pack for casual, and I have to pack for going out. I have to pack so many different types of outfits. There's a lot to get through. But anyway, on to the final question, because I need to move on to the new things so then I can go to sleep and wake up really early and not feel tired and feel on top of my shit. Okay, how to heal from someone cheating. Oh, we are ending on a banger. Wow. Well, story time. I got cheated on in my last relationship. We were together for four years. At the beginning of lockdown, I got cheated on and we broke up over FaceTime and we never saw each other again. So yeah, it's shit. It's so shit, but I just want to reassure you that you are going to heal. And I know it doesn't feel like it. And there's going to be points where you question if you ever will. And there are going to be points years and years later where you still think about it. And you still wonder how someone could do that to someone else. And I think the thing is, although when I think about it happening, like it does upset me. It The pain, like... I don't, I'm not going to cry over it anymore. It doesn't upset me that vividly. I feel more sad for the girl that it happened to than I feel sad in a reaction way. And I think that's the growth. Because all of a sudden you realise like what they did to you, how they hurt you. They've gone now. They're not in your life anymore. You've moved on. They've moved on. You guys are strangers. And the more you cling on to that, the more you cling on to them and I mean it's taken me years and a lot of work and a lot of journaling and a lot of questioning things about myself and wondering why I was still clinging on to this need for answers and to this need to ask these questions once I realized that I'm never going to be 
ask, I'm never going to be able to ask these questions and I'm never going to get the answer that I want to get because ultimately I want you to say you cared about me and what you did shows that you didn't and I think that's the thing that is so key that you remember is that what they did they don't love you like they don't and that's okay it's not the end of the world there's so many other people for you to fall in love with it hurts like it like it hurts so much recognizing that someone that you loved so much doesn't feel that way for you anymore and it's such a brutal way to find out and it's so disrespectful and I get it but I promise you there are other good people out there and the way that I healed from cheating is like guys it took me years like it took me years to get over that not gonna lie like full-on years I was I don't know I think it kind of pushed me into a place which I wasn't which I always knew was there but I just didn't really I'd never ventured into that dark place before and it pushed me there because it was there with lockdown everything that was going on and I finally questioned like who am I what am I doing with my life and I realized that I just totally lost myself and I think when you are cheated on I don't know what the relationship was like beforehand. It might have been great, it might have been terrible, but sometimes it feels like it was slipping away for a bit beforehand. And so although it's a shock that this happens, it's for me like it wasn't a mass... It was a massive shock, that's a lie. I'm just saying that to make myself feel better about it. But I think the way you heal is you have to let yourself process it. You have to let yourself work through the feelings, you have to work... You have to journal, you have to plan this incredible life for yourself and you have to fully push yourself into finding this incredible life for yourself. And that's what I put all of my energy into. I put all of my energy into working out the most amazing life. And yes, I was motivated in a fuck you, prove you wrong type way. And maybe that wasn't the healthiest, but it made me apply for some really great things and it pushed me to do some really good things. And so I guess like revenge achievements aren't always the best thing to do and you shouldn't be motivated by other people but sometimes you are and sometimes they're the push that you need because sometimes you can't find that motivation yourself and so use this experience for fuel use this to push you to new heights because I promise you your life is going to look entirely different in a year and if you use this to push you to new heights it's going to look better than you could have ever imagined but anyway on to the new things that I've done this week anyway on to the new things that I've done this week and the main new thing I've done this week is I am into reading I'm into gym classes I am into making myself do things that I don't necessarily know I want to do but will be good for me because I did my first spin class of my life as you know on Monday Jesus Christ people are talented I did not know that level of fitness existed People were doing push-ups and I still can't get over it. But that was really fun. And then on Tuesday, I went back to Pilates. That was great. It's more like stretching and yoga, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely more along the relaxing side of Pilates, not the hard side of Pilates. But I've been really enjoying it. Other good things I've watched, <laughs> Bridget Jones. It's a classic. I'm going to watch it with my boyfriend tomorrow. He doesn't know this is happening, but it's happening. Also, I'm reading Normal People and I've never read Normal People before and I'm obsessed and I'm going to start watching it again because my boyfriend's never watched that either and I've only have watched it once and I reckon I'm going to finish it on the train tomorrow so then we can, it's all lining up perfectly. Then we can watch it all week. 
because I really want him to watch it and I need to discuss it with someone and he doesn't know everything that's happened. And I'm currently at the part where they've just... Oh, I can't talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for people, but I'm at a good part. I'm at a very good part. I'm near the end and it's... Oh, it's just so good. I have also, in this new organised life that I have, I've been cooking my dinners every single, like, Sunday, batch cooking for the week so I don't have to cook in the week. <gasps> why did I not do this last year? It's so much easier. I don't have to do anything. I spend so much less on food. Like I've got so much food left over. I eat nice things. It's great. The last couple of days I haven't been eating. Like maybe I'm going to start my period, but I've just been craving everything under the sun. Just like chocolate and crisps and bread and like not that any of those things are, like, bad, but do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm craving, like, fruit and veg and, like, more light things, but I've been craving, like, heavy things. And so I went and got nice ciabatta from Sainsbury's. It was a taste of difference, loaf. I'm sorry. I just got paid yesterday. I'm now living... I'm not living a bougie lifestyle right now. I had to pay £800 on rent. How disgusting. How disgusting is that? But other new things I've done this week. <sighs> yesterday, as I said... We're talking about the nine to five routine. We're talking about creating a life outside of work. And I have been finding it difficult. I have been finding it really hard because I just feel like there's just so many things going on and I don't know how to balance it all. But I also feel like I need to try and push myself to balance it all because then I don't feel like I'm having a life outside of work. But if I don't push myself to have a life outside of work, then I am just going to feel like I'm living for the weekends. And so it's this constant state of finding a balance, but you've literally heard about this all already. Anyway, the next book I'm going to read is called Coming Home. I'm really excited. Apparently, if you like normal people, then you're going to like that. And so I will report back on that, how that book is. I haven't journaled in a week. We move. It's coming just not yet. I'm just not in the headspace to journal right now and that's okay. I'm gonna come back to it at some point soon. I just feel too tired at the moment to journal. I just feel like I need to go to sleep. Maybe I am poorly but my postcard from Vietnam arrived in the oh, it arrived in the post and it was such a lovely surprise and honestly guys start sending yourself postcards when you're on holiday because I tell you it makes a holiday last longer. It's like when you develop your film camera after you've been away. Feels like you've just gone on holiday all over again. But anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. It honestly makes me so, so happy. Make sure you leave a review and follow along and make sure you're following me on Instagram and on TikTok at You've Got Mail and School Pod. But I love you and I hope you're having a brilliant day and I can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.